You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 66 of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor Marks, and with me is Neil Hughes. And we're here, and we're going to talk all about all things Apple, earnings, iPad, iPhone, Mac, and more. Welcome, Neil. Hey, Victor. Uh, I'm excited this week. I have a lot to get off my chest, so let's get to it. Begin. Well, I, I, we should probably start talking about earnings. Um, Apple had their first decline in earnings in 13 years, a first ever year-over-year decrease in iPhone sales. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of the finances, it certainly wasn't a bad quarter. They shipped uh, 51.2 million iPhones, $50.6 billion in revenue. Um, uh, net income was $10.5 billion. Uh, I mean, pretty big numbers and, and pretty good performance, but nevertheless, a disappointment because it's the first time in 13 years that Apple has seen a decline. Okay, so um, clearly Apple is doomed. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. So um, I made the mistake this week, um, and I, I love our listeners and I love our commenters, but we have some very passionate people out there who uh, certainly uh, are very defensive when it comes to Apple, and I respect that. Um, but for myself as a person who covers the news, I have to cover it in an objective and realistic way. And so if you're Joe Schmo and you don't follow Apple that closely and you, maybe you own a few shares of Apple or something like that – and the stock drops, you know, 10% after earnings, you come to Apple Insider to find out why the stock has dropped. And so I wrote a headline saying that uh, uh, it was a disappointing March quarter because it was a disappointing March quarter. It and they doesn't warned matter. us that it was going to be, right? right? They signaled this. It was right within Apple's guidance. It doesn't mean that Apple's doomed or that I'm, you know, trying to drive, that I am part of a grand conspiracy to drive the stock down. But the truth is all of Apple's three major product categories, iPhone, iPad, and Mac, all saw year-over-year sales declines, period. That's just the reality of it. And for a company that's grown for 13 years, to have their first decline in 13 years is going to be seen as a disappointment. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, you could, you know, you can uh, win the Super Bowl with your team every year, and the one year that they don't win it, it's a disappointment because that's what you get used to. And uh, I, I went into the comments and tried to defend how we covered this, um, and some people just don't take to that because, you know, the, the iPhone 6 was a super cycle and the success could never possibly live up to those expectations, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that I even disagree with that stuff. It's just the reality of this was a disappointing quarter for Apple. And I realize that you're an Apple fan and you're really excited and passionate about the company and you really want to champion them and, you know, reiterate to the world they're doing well because they are. But, you know, don't don't come at me. I'm not the bad guy here. You know, like yes, you blame are. blame Wall Street, blame expectations, blame Apple for being so successful for 13 years. But at the end of the day, it was a disappointing quarter, and that does, that's okay. Uh, if you want to look at the extreme other side of the spectrum, so on one side you have the Apple fans who are don't want anything bad said about their company, and and that's fine. But then on the other side, I got an email from a. Uh, uh, European newspaper, a, a reporter there who wanted a comment from me for a story. Um, and he, he actually asked me, is this the beginning of the end for Apple? And I'm just like, uh, well, you know, over $200 billion in cash sitting around. Uh, gross margins are still at like 39% on selling hardware. They sold 50 million phones. Uh, they sold 10 million tablets. They sold 4 million Macs. 
God knows how many watches they sold or uh, it's a iPods. a way to go out of business, isn't it? Right. $6 billion earned this last quarter on uh, software and services that they provide. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, uh, a company like Microsoft would kill a man to sell 50 million phones in a year, let alone well, in one quarter. You know, They like, had on. their disappointing long decline, didn't they? Right. It's just, you know, and so I responded to this reporter and I said, Apple is not only this, not only is this not the beginning of the end, but Apple is not going anywhere in my lifetime or yours. Like this is the biggest company on the planet. They continue to sell astronomical amounts of products and they will continue to sell astronomical amounts of products. Now, maybe the growth won't continue. Maybe there's some quote unquote tough times ahead. But if tough times is making $10 billion a quarter, you're doing okay. There, there would have to be a series of very significant, very large, very bad bets for Apple to go bad, for Apple to fail. And then they have so much cash in the bank. I mean, you know, right. they would have to burn through all of that. It would, it would be a long series of really, really apocalyptically stupid events to take place to kill Apple at this point. I mean, let's be real. The reason that this is a disappointment, not just on Wall Street, um, because obviously Wall Street wants growth and that's all they're interested in. And that's their loony land over there. And we've talked about that a lot. Um, that was disappointing for Wall Street. But from a consumer perspective, there's at least an idea that, um, you know, uh, 3D touch on the iPhone isn't really that interesting or that useful. And OK, I mean, I can't really disagree with that. I gladly switch to an iPhone SE and abandon 3D touch and I don't use it because uh, I don't have it anymore and I don't care. So if that's the defining feature of the iPhone success and Apple and developers haven't really found an interesting way to use it. Yeah. OK. Um, iCloud remains uh, a trouble spot for Apple. Uh, the iPad um, is still not iOS does not really offer the kind of. Uh, power user features that that it really needs to make it a potential laptop replacement. The Apple Watch, while there's a lot of like about the Apple Watch, the apps on it are incredibly slow. So, but you know, there are other companies. Putting this in perspective, there are other companies that would kill to have Apple's services business. They would course, love to have. I'm not preaching doom and gloom for Apple here in any way. I'm just saying that there are a lot of areas where Apple could improve, and. It is possible and even likely that some of the reasons that you're seeing um, declines this quarter are, yes, there wasn't a, a new hardware design on the iPhone, which gets consumers excited. Yes, there's seasonal trends. Yes, there's market trends. Yes, people are hanging out on their smartphones longer. But I think that there's also um, a feeling amongst a lot of people. Uh, and when I say that, I mean like really casual people that don't follow this stuff as closely as we do, uh, that, that Apple is not. Um, uh, innovating at the pace that they expect. And, and a lot of that I think is unfair because it's a perception versus a reality. Um, you know, not every product that Apple puts out or every update that Apple puts out is some sort of a revolutionary thing. But at the same time, there's some things that are just such no brainers that you're like, why haven't they done it yet? Like Siri on the Mac. It's like, why, why haven't we, you know, why, why are, why isn't that there? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, some integration of touch ID on the Mac would be great as well. Um, uh, you know, these are the kind of things that are eventually coming, but they feel like they could have done it last year, you know. So, of course, there's there's room for Apple to grow in areas where they should grow. And hopefully they, you know, start to address some of those things in the coming months and years uh, as we go, go into WWDC, as new MacBook Pros come out, that kind of stuff. Um, 
that doesn't mean that Apple is is in trouble or that things are going poorly for them, but there's a lot of opportunities for them to innovate. And I think that there is a growing expectation, not only on Wall Street, but amongst consumers that um, Apple needs to start taking advantage of that and and kind of going in those directions where it, it's almost logical for them to go there, right? It's it's inevitable. Yeah. You know, I I continue to be impressed with with Apple's performance in all these areas. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it and I see, yes, okay, the numbers are down year on year. Right. But in, in terms of setting our expectations, they're, they're meeting everything they set, right? Right. They yeah, know they, why this is a decline and they know what they're going to do about it. They are very astute business people over there. They projected accordingly. Um, they said that iPhone sales were going to decline. They did. They projected with... Uh, accurate range uh what their revenue is going to be for the quarter they know what they're doing they can see the trends coming um and and they they're very smart they, they know what they're doing right and now they got to reckon with things like the ipad sales drop but you know they're they're doing that because they just introduced guess what new ipads yeah and and uh you know with the ipad that's a uh a spot for me that um it, sometimes it feels like Apple is um, singularly focused is the way I would put it. Like when iOS 7 came out and it was a complete redesign, it was all about making it work on the iPhone. And iOS 7 on the iPad was just a blown up version of iOS 7 on the iPhone. Uh, It really did not feel like they took that opportunity to optimize for iPad. And they didn't even do it with iOS 8. It took really until iOS 9 came out that Apple said, oh, remember the iPad? We should start paying a little more attention to what we do for that on the software side, which is where you start to see features like split view, picture in picture, all that kind of iPad specific iOS features taking advantage of the screen real estate. But I mean, you had a really dark period there from iOS 7 to iOS 9, where for two generations of iOS, nothing was really done specifically to justify the larger screen of the iPad in terms of the operating system. And well, it just wait, it, wait, wait. iOS 7 was all about getting the whole design right and getting everyone else on board. Right. Right. iOS 8 was about making it work because there were some inconsistencies in iOS 7 that totally didn't make sense, and iOS 8 addressed those. Right. iOS 9 is exactly where they should have started fixing the features and making the iPad really shine. Right. I, I agree. It just shouldn't have taken two years. It feels like sometimes Apple is like singularly focused, you know? We, like, we remember have this idea ago, that they should do things faster, but at the same time, we cry when they do things faster and stuff gets broken. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can't disagree with that. But do you It's remember, buggy. It doesn't work. Well, yeah, because they're going too fast. Do, do you remember a few years ago where uh, Apple had to delay um, – I don't remember what release of OS X it was, but it was some release of it. They had to delay it until the fall because they literally took people off of the uh, – the, uh, OS 10 team to finish up iOS in time to get it out because that became the priority. You are and going back to 10.6, 10.7 days. Steve was still alive and he made the announcement in the summer that it was going to be delayed because they'd moved people around for it. And I mean, even then, you know, Apple obviously wasn't nearly as big as they are now considering how much they've grown just in the last couple of years. But even then, they were a large company with a lot of money. And it's it's just amazing to me. I mean, I guess that's just how they operate. Well, I don't know. So, but so it's amazing it to me is, that they right? can't just hire people and get them up to speed, you know? Well, but that's the problem is is you cannot you, – you actually make things take longer when you put more people on it because those people have to get up to speed. Right. You, you simply here's, – here's the math, okay? And I'm going to repeat this, and I'm, I'm quoting uh, – I'm blanking on who I'm quoting. Uh, Fred. I'm blanking on Fred's last name. But, but you cannot produce a child – in one month by putting nine women on the job. 
it just it, you cannot speed some things up by putting right. more people on it. I agree, and for that specific um, situation, obviously that's Fred a bad Brooks. That's, it's Fred Brooks that said that. I'm sorry, and obviously that's a bad example because you know that was a time crunch kind of thing. But I'm talking about over the longer term, from iOS seven to iOS nine. The fact that it took us so long to get pretty basic iPad features like split screen and and uh, picture in picture. Um, it, it shows that I think Apple, at least internally, gets focused on one thing that they need to do. That gets all their attention, and then it's kind of on to the next thing. Well, yeah, but they also try and make improvements, and those improvements don't always go well. You know, we right. can, you remember the connectivity issues within OS 10, 10.11, mm-hmm. where there are Wi-Fi bugs, where they tried to replace um, – oh, God, I'm blanking on the name of the process. It uh, begins with an M. Let's see if I can find an activity monitor really quickly. Um, the the process that that discovers things that are around it. Jeez, discoverability. At, at any rate, there was this uh, process that had been working fine for years, and they replaced it with a whole new one. It was a and new, they did a new Bluetooth stack at some point that ruined they, everything. Yeah, well, it was it was a part of that kind of that thing. That was part it of also, AirDrop. Yeah. MDNS responder. Okay, MDNS responder, which handles Bonjour and uh, those kind of services, and. Right. They replaced this at at beginning of ten point eleven, mm-hmm. and it blew out everything. And Kevin Marks, who used to work at Apple, then worked at Google and a couple other places, noticed that if you replaced the new service with the old MDNS responder, magically everything started working again. And it took <laughs> Apple a couple of releases to roll back and, and give in instead of trying to fix the new one. I uh, still have a problem that has existed since iOS seven came out with copy and paste and. I've Googled to see if there's a fix and whatever, and it seems like most people don't have this problem anymore. It must just be the fact that I have not had a phone start from scratch. I'm always restoring from iCloud and stuff, and I guess at some point I'll just have to bite the bullet and do it. But I would say probably 50% of the time when I copy something, it actually copies it. And it's really annoying because I'll be in one app, like you know, I want to copy a photo or something in Safari, and then I'll jump over to Messages, hit Paste, and it'll paste something completely different than what I was expecting. And then half the time, you're already your thumb's already on the send button, and you're sending something you didn't intend to send to somebody. Uh, that happens to me all the time, and I don't know what it is about. And it's it's been there since iOS seven, and uh, it, it must be like a legacy thing from reloading from iCloud for me or something. But one of these days, like I said, I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and just do a, a fresh install on my phone without restoring from iCloud and just kind of manually restore everything. Because I don't know what it is, but I've been through multiple phones. It was on an iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, now on an iPhone SE, and I still have the problem. Yeah. Have you ever tried any of those third-party clipboard apps? I downloaded one called – I can't remember the name of it, and it didn't really work for me. Uh, there's one that I tried, and I had a hard time getting along with it also. I, I think it's it's one of these difficult kind of things where it's a beautiful thing when it works well for that person. But if you're just trying to get into it and figure out how do I save stuff to this and, and how do I use it, right? Um, I'm going to see if I can figure out which one I had. I had it as an extension as well, and it's a share sheet kind of thing right? where you'd, you'd share to it, and it would save like a multiple clipboard so you could have multiple different clippings in it. Mm-hmm. And I just could never figure it out. Well, let's let's just uh, say here that before this turns into just a complaint fest about yeah, Apple. new new topic here. Go on. <laughs> no, Apple is not. Apple's not doomed. Apple's fine. Uh, they had a disappointing quarter. Sorry if you don't like to hear that. Um, they will continue to innovate and bring out new products. How successful those products are, we will see. 
but it's not like iPhone sales are going to fall off a cliff anytime soon. It's still a great product. People still like it. There's still a demand for it. Um, and the same can be said for Macs and, and, and iPads and all that, you know, things like the Apple watch, we'll see where they go as they evolve, as they go. Um, still a lot of room for improvement on all the products, but especially new ones like the Apple Watch and, and things like that. Well, so. speaking of new products, tell me about this MacBook because you reviewed the 12-inch MacBook. Now, last mm-hmm. week, Shane and I talked about it, and we talked about it in terms of it being a good Mac and a and, you know, fine for what you needed to do. You actually had your hands on with it. Yeah, um, so I reviewed the MacBook last year, um, and I reviewed this year's MacBook as well. And it's basically the same machine. Um, a little faster, a little better battery life. Um, but other than that, if you didn't like last year's machine, you're not going to like this year's machine. If you were in love with last year's machine, you're going to be in love with this year's machine. It's not going to change anybody's mind. Um, take last year's computer, make it a little bit faster. Processor is like 15 to 20% faster. Uh, the, the internal storage is faster, so it'll be a little snappier. But at the end of the day, it's still a $1,300 computer that can't be used for uh, a lot of uh, high-end pro tasks for the same price you get a MacBook Pro for that's a lot more capable. So I think it's a very, I think it applies to a niche market of people that really want an ultra-portable, super-thin, brilliantly designed Mac, and they basically just want to use it to check email, browse the web, and do edit some photos and stuff like that. So, and, So wait. If, if you're interested in a super light portable machine that can act as your primary computer. Mm-hmm. And you don't mind spending $1,300 on it. Why more. wouldn't you get uh, an iPad Pro? <laughs> uh, well, I, as someone who loves my iPad Pro 12.9 inch, um, I still cannot do things like work on it. Just I mean, am I wrong to, to ask that question here? You've just laid out you're, that the MacBook is... You're not wrong, and I would argue that a lot of people that the MacBook uh, would appeal to might should consider getting an iPad if you're primarily looking to browse the web and check email. Um, some people, you know, just prefer the ability to have a bunch of windows open, use a cursor, have a traditional computing experience, a dedicated keyboard, that sort of stuff. Um, and for those people, the the MacBook would be a good computer. What what Apple really should have done this year, honestly, is cut the price by 100, 150 bucks. It would have. I gave I gave this MacBook uh, the same score I gave it last year. So, so it's not five. that it's a bad Mac. It's that it's no. a bad Mac for value. It's it's value for money is what you're complaining about here. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I'm reviewing this kind of stuff, I have to weigh it for everybody. You know, is this a Mac for me? No, absolutely not. I have absolutely no use for this Mac, but I can't review it in that context because this isn't about me. This is about advising our readers and people that are curious about which Mac to buy, which one's right for them. When you look at Apple's product lineup, you can get a MacBook Air, which doesn't have a retina display, uh, for under $1,000. And you it's a competent a- machine. And it is. And yes, it lacks a retina display and it's not as thin as the new MacBook and all that stuff, but it, it's a good machine. Um, you can get a MacBook Pro 13-inch for the same price as this 12-inch MacBook. Bigger screen, yeah, it's thicker, but it's got a way more capable uh, processor in it. Um, it's it's it, The MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook is kind of caught in the middle right now very much like the first macbook air was ahead of its time trailblazing brilliant design forward you don't waste any time going back to 2007 do you 
<laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's but look back at that computer, right? If you bought that computer in 2007, you were buying into the future of computing, but you were doing it two, three years ahead of the curve. It wasn't until about 2010 when Apple redesigned the MacBook Air and really made it a capable, relevant machine that sales started to take off. And we should and remember that that original Air cost 2000 bucks. Exactly. They lowered the price out in the second generation design of the MacBook Air. Um, and they made it a much better machine, and it was even thinner at that point. And it continues to be a part of Apple's lineup because it was that influential and that great of a product. And there's a huge market of people out there that wish that Apple would take that design and put a Retina display in it, but they won't because that because product 12 is inch. that product's going away, and the 12 inch is now the vision of the future. Yeah. For me personally, um, the, the the single port doesn't bother me. I don't care about the single USB-C port. Um, the port I use more than anything on my MacBook Pro actually is the SD card slot. And I know that that's going to die whenever they redesign the MacBook Pro. I understand you, that I've come to You are kind of unique in that one. I, I use it all the time. That's how. That's the easiest way for me to transfer photos. I don't want to dig out a cable or anything like that to transfer from my Sony camera. I just oh, want to okay, plug it in. See, you're also one of those people who's using a standalone camera. I am, yes. I am unique, but I shoot photos for a living as part of this job. So, therefore, I have to take photos with a nice camera and transfer them to my Mac, edit them, put them in the review, that sort of stuff. So, for me, that's a feature that I know is going to be gone eventually because – and probably pretty soon because Apple likes to get rid of legacy ports, and I understand that. Um, other ports, I don't really mind. Um, I'm ready to go whole hog on USB-C. Uh, I could totally – uh, dig that if the next MacBook Pro doesn't have any full-size USB ports and I need adapters and stuff. I'm cool with that if it gets me a thinner design. I'm cool with the MacBook having one port on it. I don't like that it has one port for charging and syncing. I wish that Apple would bring back MagSafe and have one MagSafe for charging and one USB-C port for everything else. Yeah, so third parties have already addressed that problem for you. You know that, right? I know. Because Griffin makes a, uh, a MagSafe-like, and they don't call it MagSafe, But does it do data as well, or is it just power? It's a – that's a very good question. I believe it's power. I'm not positive. So then you have to unplug this thing to plug in when you want – and it's just like – So use one of the many hubs that are available for this pe- thing. Well, yeah, I don't really care about that. People want a second port on here, but if Apple just put a MagSafe so, on there – Well, if they would, just put two USB-C ports. They could do that as well, but the problem with that is this thing is so freaking light – that and the USB-C cable plugs in so snugly that if you make the lightest tug on this cable, you're going to send your laptop flying, and you just threw thirteen hundred dollars at the window. You know, uh, MagSafe has saved my laptop more times than I can count um, yeah. from people tripping over it or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I realize Apple is kind of positioning this as almost more iPad than MacBook. It's like, you know, you don't, you, you maybe, you know, don't want to keep this plugged in all the time. It's kind of their philosophy. I get it. But I think if they just put a, you know, MagSafe three, uh, easily detachable on there, redesign it, make it nice and thin, and then put the USB C port next to it, that would address 75% of the concerns out there that people have about this computer. Yeah, so Griffin calls theirs BreakSafe, and BreakSafe is a breakaway power cord for your MacBook or Chromebook. And then if you want to plug anything into your MacBook, you have to unplug this adapter, that, which, by the way, sticks out of the beautiful chassis on your MacBook, and then plug in the cable. It's, it's a nightmare. Just put a MagSafe on there, and we'd be done. 
Well, there you have it. Things Apple needs to do. Now, comparing this to the iPad Pro, uh, there, there have been some benchmarks, and it looks like in multi-core, score, multi-core scores overall, the MacBook totally beats it. It walks all over the iPad Pros. In single-core scores, the iPad Pro is is better. When it comes to metal, the iPad Pro 12.9 inches better. Um, in, in JavaScript, in Jetstream JavaScript rendering, it's uh, the MacBook beats the others. So, but but they're still fairly close. I mean, these aren't big ratings that are different, except when it comes to metal. And the iPad Pro totally outshines everything else. Yeah, I mean, the iPad Pro is uh, incredible piece of hardware, uh, very capable, brilliantly designed. Um, I think the software is what holds it back. The the MacBook. Uh, is an incredible piece of hardware. I think the software is great. I really love OS X. Um, I think that its price and the compromises are probably too much for most users. And so going back to what I was saying before, when I write a review, I have to write it for somebody who's looking to buy a Mac. And if you're looking to buy a Mac, if you're okay with the compromises that this product makes and you're okay with the price, you will be extremely happy with this laptop. It is incredibly designed um it, it fanless thin beautiful uh some people don't like the keyboard because it's uh, less travel on the keys doesn't bother me at all some people don't like the fact there's one port doesn't really bother me at all um uh, i know some people really hate the fact that the, the facetime camera on it is still only 480p because the screen is so thin that's all they can fit in there i don't really care um None of those things really bother me, but when I just look at it from a, you know, 40,000 feet perspective, like looking at the landscape, I wonder who it's for. That That's my main concern with the MacBook is where is this market of uh, people that want to spend 13 plus hundred dollars on a laptop and have all these compromises when they spend that much money? Certainly there is a market out there, but uh, when I write these reviews, I, I like to imagine that you know, it's a friend of mine or a family member and they come to me and they say, what do you think of this computer? Uh, what, what do you think would work for me? For 90% of the people that ask me that question, the MacBook is not for them. They don't want to spend that much money and they don't want to have these compromises. Okay. So single word, buy or not buy? If you're okay with the compromises, buy. Cool. Thank you. If you're okay with the price, buy. I, I think it's a great machine, but you know, I can't give everything uh, a five out of five because it's a great machine. I mean, there's, there's oh, a lot come more on. To- it's from Apple. You're, you're conspiring to hurt Apple. Oh, I know. Again. Anytime, anytime I write something with people, a- listeners, please, please email Neil. <laughs> Tell him it's time to take the veil off the conspiracy. It's an impressive machine. And in two, three years, it is going to be incredible when the uh, hardware catches up in terms of performance and Apple kind of tweaks the design a little bit. I think, um, it's going to be Apple's best-selling Mac, but very much like the first MacBook Air, it's going to take a little time. Okay. I want to take a moment and talk to you about iCracked. So, Neil, have you ever cracked a screen on your iPhone? I thankfully have not. Uh, my wife cracked the – no. In the last year, she has cracked both an iPhone 6S and an Apple Watch. So it's been an expensive year. And an Apple Watch. Jeez, how mm-hmm. do you do that? She uh, dropped it onto a tile floor, and it landed just perfectly and shattered the screen. And it wow. cost like $200, $250 to replace it. It was not Basically cheap. the cost of a fresh watch. Yeah. Was it a sport yeah. model? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the cost of a fresh wash. Yeah. So so there's this iPhone repair company called iCracked, and they're perfect for people just like your wife because what they do is you go online and and they immediately send out a professional iPhone repair technician. They're they're not going to fix your watch, but they'll sue it for iPhones and other devices. And so they send out this tech to the location of your choosing. And and they do it wherever whenever and they mean wherever. So they arrive in less than an hour. And we'll fix it. They'll do it at a coffee shop. They'll do it wherever you want to meet. Um, and it generally takes about less than 30 minutes for them to fix your phone. They have 5,000 of these techs in 600 cities across the United States, and they do fast quality work, and they stand behind it. Every repair they make comes with a lifetime warranty. So if you find yourself with a broken iPhone, go to iCracked.com for the best, most convenient, and reliable phone repair. They come to you. It's kind of hard to beat that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Apple charges a lot of money for their repairs. And especially if you have an older phone um, and don't want to spend that kind of money to get it repaired, these re- these repair services uh, a lot of times do a really great job and uh, uh, it's a good way to save money. Definitely. So <clears throat> I know you're a giant fan of the smart connector. Yes. You love that connector. I do. You can't wait for there to be more accessories and devices for that connector. Since the iPad Pro launched last November, I have been, and we've talked about many times on the podcast here, a huge proponent of the smart connector because I can see the potential of having a quickly attachable and removable accessory that can do whatever accessory makers can imagine that they okay. want it to do. So, so tell me about your dream accessory. What do you wish was made? Well, in a perfect world... I would have an iPad just like it is now that works like it does now. And then I could dock it with a device that would allow me to connect whatever I chose to it. Um, a USB hub with a bunch of accessories. I could have a, a, a podcasting setup, for example, dock it, got a microphone that's already connected to the dock, a keyboard that's already connected to the dock. All I have to do is rest my iPad on there and it becomes the computer I need at that moment. I think that's really the future of the iPad um, and these ultra portable form factors is, and especially with a screen that can, you know, where, where the entire interface is the screen, it can become whatever you need in that moment. And you can see little inklings of that now with the smart connector and the ability to quickly attach a keyboard and just start typing and get going. And, and, and then and also when, with Apple's pushing the camera connection kit as a USB con- kit that mm-hmm. does other things, like they talked about podcast mics. Exactly. You can actually take the uh, USB connector kit. It has a uh, 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 lightning input on it. You can plug in and get power while you're using a USB accessory, or you could even plug in a powered USB hub and connect multiple USB accessories to your iPad. A lot of people don't realize this. The iPad is way more powerful and a way more capable computer than a lot of people realize. This isn't just a kid's toy, but it remains held back uh, by a number of things. Uh, Most notably, iOS is just not there in terms of competing with the Mac for you know, uh, power user computing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you could mash the camera connection kit into a smart connector dock, that would be sort of on its way for you. I can envision a lot of things that you could do with the smart connector dock, uh, accessories that would be fantastic. So we're getting a, we're getting a, a glimpse of that, uh, this week, um, Logitech, uh, announced a new product, uh, called the Logibase. 
Um, and they sent us a review unit to sample before the announcement came out. So I've been using it for the last week. And it's not without its shortcomings. But um, and, and we'll have a full review up in the, in the next few days for this product. We did a first look um, when it was announced on Tuesday. And I love it. It charges your iPad Pro, whether the 9.7-inch model or the 12.9-inch model. It charges it through the smart connector. And literally all you got to do is rest your iPad on the magnetic connector, and it starts to juice up your iPad. You don't have to line up a lightning connector, and it allows it to do it in landscape mode. So if you have it docked, you can use it you know, more like you would a laptop. Um, and the base is nice and heavy and sturdy. So when you pick it up, it doesn't. it's not like any other iPad dock where the lightning connector is so snug that it, you have to hold the base down to pull it off and line it up and all that. Nope, just rest it on there. The magnets align. It starts to charge. Bam. Nice. I, I love it. Um, and it's. I, I think it's the beginning of what's to come. The problem is we don't really know what the technical limitations of the smart connector are. Can it do simultaneous uh, power and data? Probably, but this product doesn't. So uh, the logic base on the back of it has a female lightning connector port, and uh, you plug in a lightning cable and then plug that into the wall, and, you, and that's what it does. I tried doing other things like plugging in the aforementioned USB adapter to see if I could do simultaneous data and power. Doesn't work. Um, I don't know if that's a limitation of the smart connector hardware capabilities or if ios just doesn't want to play nice yet and maybe a software update could fix that praying it's the latter but imagine again i talked about a podcasting station before right just because we're doing a podcast that's a great example right imagine if i had a place in my home where i had a dock where i charged my ipad but i also had uh, usb ports on that dock with a microphone and other things that i need plugged in and all i would need to do is rest my ipad on there open up an app and bam i'm ready to podcast nice yeah, I mean, that would be great. Um, we're not there yet, but I'm hoping that we get there soon. You know, I can envision all kinds of great stuff uh, with this. Uh, one of the um, uh, products that I would really like to see is a a mobile keyboard dock that has its own battery in it. So imagine um, if you had a nice uh, base that was, you know, the size uh, and equal weight uh, or proportionally, I guess, of the iPad Pro um, that could turn it into a MacBook-style uh, fold out, um, uh, you know, clamshell design, uh, much like we, we've talked a lot about the, uh, what's the keyboard that I like the, uh, uh, they make it for, they make it for the iPads, but it doesn't use a uh, smart connector. It's Bluetooth. Mm. The, uh, it has the hinge on it. It looks like a MacBook. What's that one called? Oh, you, you like the bridge keyboards. Yes, correct. Bridge with a Y. Um, yes. It turns basically your your iPad into kind of a MacBook kind of feel where you can – because it's got these hinges. You can angle the screen however you want just like a MacBook, uh, full-size keyboard. It's nice and uh, yeah, it, it doubles the thickness of your iPad and makes it heavier. But because of that heavy base on the keyboard, you can use it on your lap without it you know, toppling over or whatever. Um, so great design. But I could imagine an accessory like that with its own battery in there. That would then, when you dock your iPad into it, recharge your iPad. So imagine you get, what, 10 to 12 hours out of your iPad? Imagine having a keyboard accessory with its own battery in it that uses the data and power capabilities of the smart connector that would then essentially double the battery life of your iPad, give you 20 hours uptime. You know, you could use it for two days without having to plug it in to to get work done and stuff like that. Wow. I, I think that's kind of where the potential of smart connector is. And so... We wrote about that a little bit this week. 
um, because prior to this Lodge uh, base coming out, we didn't actually know for sure that the smart connector could be used to recharge devices. We had no idea. And so there were some iPhone 7 leaks that showed a smart connector port on the back of an iPhone 7 chassis, supposedly. And our staff were looking at these leaks and we're like, what the heck? Like, why would you? Because all we knew really was yeah, that keyboards. Smart, smart connector be used for keyboard. And the, the leaks have it on the back of the iPhone just above where the lightning port is. And it's like, I mean, what are they going to do? Like a BlackBerry style slide out keyboard? Like, yeah. Th- and, it, and also, it's a crazy place to put it when the uh, the iPads one is on its edge, right? So now right. you've got accessories that work with iPads and accessories that work with the phone, rumored phone. Right. And so it didn't make any sense. But then this week, Logitech announces this product. You can recharge. And then it's like the pieces are starting to fall into place. So I'm starting to think that these iPhone 7 leaks that we're seeing with the smart connector on the back are legitimate. I think I think they're real. And I think the reason uh, for that is Apple is apparently going to get rid of the headphone jack. That's what these leaks show. And that's what all the rumors are saying. you got to be able to plug in a headphone to the lightning jack if you're not going to use Bluetooth. And if you're plugged in to the headphone jack and you are listening to music, you can't charge your phone without some sort of adapter or splitter unless you had a dock or battery case that powered it through the smart connector. So, right. or, or, you know, the every uh, headphone adapter was one like the digital AV connector that also has a female lightning port on it, mm-hmm. which so, would be costly. Anybody who's used like a Mophie, for example, knows that they have to do this thing where – because it's got to connect through the lightning port at the bottom. It has to have like a chin at the bottom. You just got to have the space there to have the circuitry to connect to lightning. It's got to slide in. Imagine that you didn't have to do that anymore. And imagine Apple, since now they make this weird battery case with a hump on the back and it integrates with iOS and plays nice and automatically charges it without buttons – Imagine Apple made a new battery case for an iPhone 7 that just snapped on magnetically to the back of your phone. No chin. No chin. Maybe not even a hump on the back. Who knows? Um, And you could really make an ultra-thin, easy-to-snap-on-and-off-and-use battery to extend the battery life of your phone. Wow. So I think – that's where this is heading. I don't know. We, we, I don't have any inside info on this. But if you if you look at the pieces coming together, you know, the new iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch model, has has the smart connector as well. Apple is doubling down on this. They have a history of introducing technology in one product and bringing it to another. For example, Force Touch on the watch and the Mac, now 3D Touch on the iPhone. Uh, they like to have synergy and bring these things together. We have leaks showing a smart connector port on the back of the iPhone 7, supposedly. So Why were they believing that? that where there's smoke, there's fire? I th- yeah, I think so. And so it makes too much sense at this point. And then when you start to think about the potential, if you're looking at it as not a data transfer uh, uh, port, but a charging port, uh, now you could sell all kinds of docks where, again, that problem I was talking about before, lining up your iPad with the with the lightning connector. Yeah. Imagine you don't have to do that with your phone anymore either. Now you just have a dock where you put it in there, the connector automatically lines up magnetically with whatever's on the dock, and it charges. Cool. So I, th- I think I think that's where this is all heading. That's my guess. Um, if you're going to see it on iPhone this year, that's how they'll uh, calm some of the concern over the uh, uh, ditching of the headphone jack. It'll be, well, you can plug into lightning and you can charge at the same time, which – Obviously, with just one lightning port and without a smart connector, you couldn't do that without some yeah. sort of adapter or weird dongle city. 
I, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of people upset about the actual loss of the headphone port. I mean, oh, there I, will be. Uh, well, there will be blood just because people want to have something to be upset about. But Bluetooth is known. Bluetooth is out there. You'll get Bluetooth headphones. You'll get the the cheap adapter off of Amazon that converts your headphones to Bluetooth. It, it's not well, it's like a this is a difficult proposition. No, no. I mean, if if you've already got a pair of headphones you love, and your phone has no adapter that that works with that, you're gonna. Buy and can, carry a Bluetooth adapter for your headphones? I don't think there's a simple that. small one about the size of a fifty cent, you know, two quarters stuck. I'm not together. doing that. No way. I've well, got four hundred I've got four hundred and fifty dollar headphones here, and if they don't make a lightning adapter for these headphones, there will be blood. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yes. No no freaking way that I can't Love use it. these with my with my iPhone. That that would be absolutely insane. Right. So if there's a lightning adapter, you're going to have it. Yeah, I mean, I'll buy the lightning adapter. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not really that worried about ditching the headphone jack. I actually looked uh, at my headphone collection the other day because I'm, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little ridiculous when it comes to headphones. I'll admit, I, wait, I have wait. to have. I just want to preface this by laying out exactly who you are. You're the person that, if it doesn't fit in one suitcase, if you can't fit every single belonging you own into one carry-on suitcase, rollerboard suitcase you will throw it out. You will dispose of it in some way. You'll send it to my house, for God's sakes. Yep. You know, even if I'm not expecting a package, here comes something from New York because Neil wants to get it out of his house. I, and I, you have a headphone collection. I do. Um, I actually just bought uh, some noise-canceling Bluetooth headphones from Philips a few weeks ago for a flight because um, I was I had been bringing these uh, Master and Dynamic headphones with me on flights. And while I love them, um, they're a they're little big, aren't they? Yeah, a little big, and uh, also they've, they've got this like great like stainless steel, you know, uh, and I, I, they're just getting tossed around in a bag and getting scratched up, and it's like these are my at home I'm working headphones. I need something a little cheaper that I can just toss in a bag. So, you know, I looked at uh, Bluetooth noise canceling, and there weren't a lot of great options out there. Philips has a new pair that just came out in like January. They were like ninety bucks on Amazon. They work great. Um, recharge through USB C. Um, fold up real nice and small, and they're cheap enough that if they last me a year or two for ninety bucks, I'll be happy. So that's the latest addition to my headphone collection. But yeah, I mean, ditching the headphone jack doesn't really bother me that much. I'm not really that concerned about it. Well, do do you go for runs? Are you are you into exercise? I am, yes, and uh, use my Apple Watch when I go run. And do you listen to music when you go run? I do. Yes, I use um, Bluetooth headphones. Okay. Have you tried out Mara? I have not. Okay. Mara is a hands-free running assistant that uses voice recognition and the microphone in your earbuds to help optimize your runs. So have you heard about this? No. This is the first I've heard. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Okay. So she's hands-free, and you talk to her using your earbuds, and she uses voice commands. You tell her what kind of run you'd like to do. You ask questions about your speed, your pace, location, duration, or even the weather. And you can have her play albums and playlists from your music library just by prompting her with your voice. Uh, and And... Weirdly, she can also speak first. She can, unprompted, tell you how you're doing and compare your past runs and records. And she'll warn you about changes in the weather. So if you're out running and it's about to downpour, she'll, she'll go ahead and she'll tell you about that. And you can track your progress using her, too. So you can see all your past runs and how you compared. And she recognizes when you've had accomplishments. And the new thing about her is, is besides just working with your iPhone, she's also now compatible with Amazon Alexa-enabled devices like Echo Dot and Tap. So you can ask Alexa for updates like, hey, Alexa, how, ask Mara how far I ran last Thursday, or ask Mara what's my average time for a five-kilometer run. 
So you should visit mara.ai, that's M-A-R-A dot A-I, and download your free virtual running assistant to your iPhone or Amazon Alexa device today. Yeah, I'm looking at their listing on the App Store. It's really cool. Um, they integrate with Apple Health, um, which is great. Um, and yeah, you can talk to it. It understands conversational English and uh, uh, it integrates with maps and weather and all kinds of stuff. So pretty cool. You should totally try that out. Yeah, I'm going to try it out. It's like a, it's like a Siri for running. Kind of, yeah. I, I will be interested to know how that actually works out for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I use my uh, Plantronics uh, Bluetooth headphones when I run that I love. I've recommended them before to people on Twitter who ask me my favorite running headphones. Some someday um, you're just they, gonna have to catalog the headphone collection for us. <laughs> uh, they're great, super light headphones that wrap around my ear, um, so they don't fall out, and they have an integrated microphone, so they'll work great with something like Mara. Yeah. Now, Apple isn't the only one going through this business of removing the headphone jack. No. Uh, I mean, it's inevitable the headphone jack is going to die. It's just going to be a long and painful and, and slow death, much like the USB port won't die. You know, Apple is going uh, well, full, full bore on USB-C, but uh, there's still full-size USB ports on the iPhone charger they ship, on their MacBook Pro, on the MacBook Air, and it's going to take some time for that to change. Even USB-C is still a USB port, right? The The headphone port is an analog port that only does basically two things, right? It's it's headphone out and mic in on some special headphone jacks. Square would disagree with you, but yes. Uh, good point. Good point. Square have this beautiful hack where their old Square reader can use the headphone port for data. However, I want to point out that their new Square reader that does EMV and Apple Pay mm-hmm. doesn't use the headphone jack. Right. They went to Bluetooth. They yeah. know this is coming. It's, the, the headphone port is a single-purpose thing, and we're in a world where we want ports that do many things like USB. So, Yeah, so Intel wants USB-C to uh, – they've proposed adding a audio spec to it so that you could plug in headphones over USB-C. Honestly, this is just – I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to happen, and um, – somewhat happy about it, but it's going to be a nightmare of a transition, especially now you're going to be dealing with phones that have head use headphones over USB-C iPhones that do headphones over lightning. Do you have the right well, adapter? Do you have the right cable? It's like, Oh, geez. well, at least with USB-C and lightning, there are only two ports to reckon with, you know, with, uh, okay. Well, right now with a headphone port, there's only one port to reckon with. Fair point. I want to remember, you did earlier in the podcast, you recalled back to 2007 when you were talking about uh, Mac and delays in software and things like that. I'm going to go back there now because one of the first Android phones was an HTC phone, mm-hmm. and the HTC, and I think it was the Hero, um, had a USB mini connector and no headphone jack. And to use headphones with the HTC Hero, you plugged in a USB mini to headphone adapter. We're going back to that world. Remember the first iPhone had the recessed headphone jack? Yes. And, and you couldn't plug in most headphones without an adapter? There were special made-for-iPhone headphones, just so that you'd know that worked. Or people started selling adapters with them. And uh, we met, since we mentioned Mophie cases before with the chin, same thing there. If mm-hmm. you have a chin on the bottom of it, then you can't plug in your headphones without an adapter. I, I have a ton of the Belkin adapters that allowed you to plug in regular phones into the iPhone. It's uh, not anything really new, but here, here's an interesting point. 
if Apple is going to get it, get rid of the headphone jack, but they still have it on the MacBook, they're not ready to get rid of it on the 12 inch MacBook. At what point do we get a MacBook with a female lightning port on it? Mm, if Intel pushes headphone out through USB-C, then you just don't. So you're telling me that I'm going to buy a <laughs> pair of Apple Beats wired headphones and they're going to have to ship in the box if I want to use it with my Mac, a swappable cable or an adapter to plug into either USB-C on my Mac or lightning on my iPhone? That does not sound like an Apple decision to me. Okay, putting a female lightning port on a Mac is also a bad decision or, or a bad compromise, right? Because you're going to end up with a double-ended lightning cable. You're going to end up with people plugging in lightning chargers into that lightning port, and it won't charge their MacBook. It's, it's uh, an awkward series of compromises. I mean, couldn't you say the same thing about Mini DisplayPort and Thunderbolt? Mm, Mini DisplayPort and Thunderbolt, how Use so? Use the same connector. Uh, same connector, and it gained features over time. Right, but if you have a legacy Mini DisplayPort on your Mac and you try to plug in a Thunderbolt accessory, it doesn't work even though the cable fits. Uh, okay, so you're telling me they shouldn't reuse the connector because they gained more features. No, you, um, I mean, you were saying that people are going to be confused because they're going to try to plug in a lightning you, cable. If you plug in a lightning charger, if you plug in your iPad Pro charger into the side of a MacBook, a rumored MacBook with a, uh, and I say rumored because you're starting this rumor. Okay. But if, if you plug in your iPad Pro charger to the side of a rumored MacBook with a lightning port on it, what's going to happen? What do you think should happen there? Probably nothing. Is that a dumb expectation to plug in a charger to a port that fits and presume that it should charge? Is it a dumb expectation to plug in a Thunderbolt accessory to a port that fits and assume it should work? Uh, it's not a dumb expectation, except that the older one doesn't have that feature, right? It's not a Thunderbolt port on your laptop you're plugging into. It's a mini display port. Apple Sucks, continued to sell... Apple That's, continued to sell for years the Thunderbolt display alongside the cinema display because you yes, could not use they were dumb. you no you could not use <laughs> a you could not use a Thunderbolt display with a legacy Mac. You could not use a Thunderbolt display as a mini display board display. You had to have a new Mac to use the Thunderbolt display. And so mm. if you didn't have a Mac with uh, a Thunderbolt port, it did not work with the Thunderbolt display. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. your problem that you're talking about has already been done. It happened before. I know because I was sent a Thunderbolt display that did not work with my MacBook Air, which did not have a Thunderbolt port. It had a yeah. mini display port. Mm. The people that bought Apple monitors were smaller in number than the people that have lightning chargers. Would you agree? Of course, yeah. Okay, so so that problem that you experienced was a problem that was experienced by a smaller number of people. I agree it's a problem, but if they release what you're talking about, it's going to be a widespread problem. I just can't see them selling headphones that have to come with adapters since they are now in the headphone business with Beats that need an adapter to work across Apple product lines. I cannot see it happening. It would be insane to me that you would have headphones solely for iPhone use and headphones solely for Mac use without an adapter. That seems crazy to me. And, and it seems pretty un-Apple-like where we talk about things just working, or we used to anyway. Exactly. I think I think that they have to put a lightning port, and you know what? If it charges over that, then so be it. I mean, 
right now, um, I have a USB-C to lightning cable and a 29-watt Apple adapter that charges my 12.9-inch iPad Pro much faster at USB 3.0 speeds. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, uh, it would take you, you know, uh, an There's eternity. There's no real reason they couldn't wire it up to be the charger. It might take you an eternity, you know, unless they wanted to make like a, a 100-watt uh, well, uh I mean, if you're, you're the, your charger that you're using is the MacBook Air charger or the the MacBook 12 12 inch MacBook charger. I, I bought the 12 inch MacBook charger. So then that should work to charge the 12 inch MacBook just as well over Lightning as it would over USB C. Hypothetically, does not work so, that fast over smart connector. However, the logic. Well, dock, but we don't know what's going on in that in in the, in the change of smart connector using the Logitech stuff. We don't know where the slowdown is. Is it the port? Is right. it Logitech's internal business? It, it, too many variables. And Apple doesn't like to tell the technical specifications of what it sells, so we may never find out until they open up Smart Connector a little more. But it does, even if you're using the standard 12-watt connector, Logitech says it takes uh, one to two hours longer to charge over Smart Connector than it does direct through Lightning. Yeah, and, and that's because... Either a smart connector can't handle it or Logitech isn't doing it, but somewhere in the middle, somewhere we don't power know where is, is being dissipated as heat. Right. Now, I mean, the 29-watt uh, charger for the 12-inch MacBook, um, that would not be enough to charge a MacBook Pro. Um, you have much higher... Right, 60-watt, uh, 85-watt kind of right. things. So they would need to sell a completely different uh, USB-C to lightning brick. Uh, to make a Mac that would charge over Lightning, which seems unlikely that they would want to do that because they're already charging through USB-C. Um, but still, I, I just I don't know what the answer is here, and that's why I put it out there, because headphones that connect to your Mac over USB-C and then connect to your iPhone over Lightning, it's just like, oh, geez. It's, it's a weird roadmap, and you're right. I imagine somewhere there are engineers just throwing their hands up and saying, screw it, ship everything. And Apple's been doubling down on, on Lightning. You know, you look at... Uh, uh, all these devices gonna. now, uh, you know, the, the dock that they sell for the Apple Watch plugs in through Lightning. Um, the uh, Siri remote for the Apple TV charges through Lightning. The uh, Lightning connector on the back of the Apple Pencil. Now this uh, Logic Base dock uh, has a, a Lightning port on the back. Uh, you have controllers for the Apple TV that charge through Lightning port. So, I mean, run down the list, Apple is really embracing Lightning as a charging method. Um it's, it's, it's weird to me that the pencil has a male lightning port on the back end of it. And they really need to have like some sort of a eraser I mean, function on the back I would have, too. I would have put – wouldn't, wouldn't it be normal that, you say, if you're charging an accessory, that you put the female lightning port on the back of the pencil and plug in the same charger you use for the iPad? What they really should have done is put a smart connector on the side of the pencil and had it draw power from the iPad over that and magnetically attach to the side of it so you could actually have your pencil being held in a way that isn't liable to snap off intriguing and i would imagine that a future apple pencil is going to do that it'll just have a smart connector port on the side it i have this uh magnetic thing i'm using with my apple pencil right now that sticks it to the side or to the front of the ipad yeah you have a sleeve for your pencil right and it's for your pencil it it, i mean it's it, it works it's cheap it's functional and frankly it's a much better way to stow your apple pencil than to uh, just leave it laying around. Uh, you want to use it and then put it down for a second, especially if you're walking around with your iPad or or sitting on a couch or something like that. Um, it's an easy way to just put your pencil down and have easy access to it. You've got to think that charging through the smart connector is a really smart way for them to do it in the future um, yeah. with a next-generation model. So what, what, do you, what do you believe is really going to happen here? Are we giving up headphone port? Is that actually happening? 
I didn't believe it was going to happen, but now that these schematics are out and now that we know what we know about Smart Connector and it shows the lack of a headphone port on there. And, um, and Intel's direction, too, you think it just crossed the board? I mean, I think no. I, I think that the the death of the headphone was inevitable. I think that that was always going to happen. The headphone jack was going away. That, that jack has been around for forever and it needs to go. Um, that part of it is completely understandable to me. What I didn't think was going to happen, and I'll probably end up eating crow from my earlier predictions, is I didn't think that Apple was going to just abandon the headphone jack this year. I thought that there would be a transitionary period where they would start shipping the iPhone with lightning headphones and start flooding the market with lightning headphones and give them a year or two to get rid of the port. So imagine that you bought an iPhone 7 this year and it came with lightning ear pods instead of 3.5 millimeter jack ear pods. And then they started, you know, giving accessory makers the ability to sell adapters or sell headphones with lightning connectors on it. But the iPhone would still have a headphone jack. Wait, 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 wait. They told us two years ago, two years ago, you and I were on the phone after a WWC conference, and we were talking about lightning-enabled headphones. And right. you were asking me if there was confirmation that they could actually do this. And, you know, at the time, we talked about it and said, yes, yes, they could do lightning headphones. Then at CES, not not this past January, but the January before, JBL and Philips announced, and Philips even showed, their lightning headphones. Right. And at, and at this most recent January CES, I came back with Philips Lightning headphones. I've got some. And there were a couple other companies that announced theirs there. But there aren't a lot of them. There aren't even Beats Lightning headphones. You can get a Beats pill that charges over Lightning. I, I wonder how tightly integrated Beats actually is with Apple. I have no I, idea. I expect that it's not that tight. Well, it, it's. I think the mistake there is it's going to be the same thing that happened when they switched from 30-pin to Lightning. It takes some time for accessory makers to get these products out to market. If Apple had really pushed and had Lightning headphones out in the market, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But there is going to be uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth when this happens because of the lack of Lightning headphones out there, which means a lot of people are going to need adapters. That's just right. the reality. But this and it's this take amount a lot of, of gnashing of teeth is going to last for a very short period of time because people will make the adapters and then push them out. I don't know. Some people still complain about lightning. So, you know, there's. Those people need to take a drink and relax. <laughs> I agree with you. But again, we're talking about the larger uh, space of consumers and not just the enthusiasts who don't mind, you know, embracing these changes. Who, I mean, who Tim out Cook- there is still crying over the point, pouring one out for 30 pin? Tim Cook was on Stephen Colbert last fall, and Colbert asked him about it. What 30-pin accessory has Colbert got that isn't working with the 30-pin adapter? (laughs) Well, video out, for starters, at any gym that you go to. Go to a gym with a treadmill, and they have a nice 30-pin cable sticking out of it because every gym in America bought those, and they allowed you to plug in your iPod and play video on the screen in front of you. Right, and so if you plug in the 30-pin adapter... Doesn't work with video. Doesn't happen. Nope, can't do video over it. Doesn't work. You got to have the 30 pin that you have to have the correct video lightning accessory. You need the lightning to HDMI adapter to do video out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Digital AV adapter. Doesn't work with the 30 pin adapter. So therefore all those treadmills you see at the gym are useless unless you want to dig out your old iPod classic or something. Or bring your own adapter. You can't, well, I mean, you have to have a. <laughs> you can't do that because then you have to doctor the treadmill and they kick you out of the gym. And yeah. there's, there, there is no way to do it. If okay. you have a modern iPhone, you can't do it. And this is still on people's minds. Like I said, Colbert asked. Tim Cook about it last fall. So uh, wow. the average person is still upset about that switch. And this is going to upset people for a long time. And it's going to be very difficult for Apple. And I think 
if I were in charge over there, clearly I'm not, and I'm not as smart as the folks over <laughs> Thankfully there. Thankfully, you're not. Thankfully, I'm not. <laughs> but I would have done what I said: do a transition, start pushing lightning headphones, ship it with lightning headphones, get the adapters out there, get the accessory makers to start making lightning headphones. Yeah, lower here's, the, here's lower why the cost. that doesn't work, right? You can't do that successfully because unless you're prepared to subsidize the sales for all the units that don't sell, then do it. None of none of those headphones are ever going to sell as long as there's an analog port out there. Because why would anyone spend the additional money? To get the lightning ones when the analog ones are right there on the shelf and cheap. Yeah, so you're going to end up with accessory makers that are going to take a huge bath on returns of product that doesn't move for your transition. And what is the alternative? A mountain of bad press is what they're going to get when they ship an iPhone without a 3.5 millimeter jack, and there are no headphones available for it. Other and than Wall whatever Street will be annoyed, is. and they'll issue bad reports, and next thing you know, we'll be talking about how this is all, well, it'll be the same episode all over again. If you remember the switch to Lightning, it took <laughs> oh, forever for Lightning accessories wow. to start to make it to the market, to get docks, to get the accessories the reason, out there. The reason it took forever for that to happen was because there were shortages on the Lightning connectors themselves. Well, they and didn't so, even start licensing it until two months after the phone came out they they, they, they launched the phone in september and then they didn't have a licensing commission on it until no no uh, the, november the licensing of that was available immediately but the supply was so constrained they doled them out very very in, in restricted quotas to different companies they had a meeting where they detailed the specifications of lightning that november it was after the phone came out trust me it was it was not timed well, and it takes time for this stuff to roll out. I mean, that's why when we look at Smart Connector, we don't even know who Apple's licensing it to, if they're even licensing it to anybody, because the only well, non-Apple they are to Logitech. Con- they are to Logitech, who they're working <laughs> you know behind the scenes with, but nobody else is making any Smart Connector things. And so if you're an accessory maker, you're kind of like between a rock and a hard place here. It's like, well, should I embrace Smart Connector? Is it going to sell? Should I bother making anything? Will Apple even license it to me? Tough. Very tough. I think I think it's going to be a publicity nightmare if the new iPhone doesn't have 3.5 millimeter jack and there are no he- uh, lightning headphones out there. I think it's going to go very poorly for Apple, and uh, hopefully uh, I am wrong and they have planned this out much better than I uh, think they have. But you know, it's all speculation at this point. But I think the smart connector charging goes a long way to at least addressing the charging and listening. Personally, I, I honestly I won't even care. Actually, you know what? I already have a lightning to headphone adapter now that I think of it. Yeah, I do. I totally didn't remember this, but I do. And here's how I have it. Um, Both Belkin and uh, I'm blanking on the other company. begins with a J. uh, Are sold in Best Buy. Jaybird? No, it's not Jaybird. It's it's some some other thing. I'll figure it out in a second. Jawbone? No, it's not a common name that you would think of. Okay. Okay. but what it is is a lightning to HDMI. Oh God! No, no, it's not. Oh damn! I don't have it. I'm thinking backwards. It's an H. I was thinking totally wrong. I have an HDMI to uh, to to VGA that has a headphone on it for doing Apple TV stuff. I was thinking of the wrong adapter. Never yeah. mind. Scratch that. That's a that's a is that rewind pin too. Um, I don't have a thirty pin like that. But all right, never mind that. I almost had. <laughs> I almost did. Okay. To make up for, for that, if any of our listeners ever meets me in person and is still upset about the 30 pin to lightning transition, I promise to buy them a drink. <laughs> I apologize for that. All right. Well, this has been episode 66 of the Apple Insider podcast. And if Neil eats crow over the headphone port not going away, we'll tell you all about it when it happens. <laughs> 
Neil, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can read uh, my news and reviews on Apple Insider, including the 12-inch MacBook review, and we'll have one of the Logia base coming up. And if you want to yell at me, the easiest way to do it is through Twitter. I'm on Twitter at this is Neil N E I L. Do you read your Twitter when people yell at you? I do, um, and it happens uh, more frequently than you might think. Uh, I'm somehow not surprised at all. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. This is Apple Insider Podcast number 66 in the can. Thanks again to iCracked.com for sponsoring today's episode. Think of iCracked as Uber meets iPhone repair. iCracked works around your schedule and travels to you to repair your broken iPhone on the spot in 30 minutes or less. And your on-demand repair is backed by a lifetime warranty. Whether your repair is for iPhone or iPad, iCracked.com's technicians are fast and professional, and they service business accounts too. For a limited time, listeners get a free tempered glass screen protector with your on-demand repair. Request your repair at iCracked.com slash insider. 